Today, every day, small cap investors visit Agoracom knowing this is the day to discover the world's next great company, to have their dreams come true. That's why I take to the open road, to find them, to tell their stories, to engage them, to bring them to life, because they want to connect with you from your office, your phone, your home, anywhere. Agoracom, find your dream. Welcome to CEO Interviews, a production of Gorecom in which we take the time to sit down with small cap executives about what's going on at their companies. Uh, small program note, we're happy that all of you take your time to watch these videos, but we also know it's not easy to watch. So all of these interviews now are available on podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. So if you can't watch, listen in your car while you're stuck in traffic, while you got some downtime, but never miss them because great interviews like this with Paul Gill, CEO over at Lamico Metals, trades on the Venture Exchange on the stock symbol LMR. You don't want to miss stuff like this. For those of you who are new to the story, we're going to go over it quickly because we're going to do a great year review of what's happened in 2019 and what to look forward to in 2020. But in summary, the company's got the La Luta Flake Graphite property. It's a high-grade uh, deposit that's located about 120 kilometers northwest of Montreal. Uh, great indicated and referred resource numbers. I'll let Paul tell you all about that. But they're ideally positioned both geographically and as far as the resource goes in order to be able to serve, uh, you know, the number of mega factories that are coming into the, in various states of development uh, throughout North America and even the world. And then you've got Quebec and the BC government, their commitment to green energy, zero emissions by 2030. That should create a floor for future demand. So the future looks bright for Lamico. Paul, welcome back. Thanks, George. Thanks for having me on. It's always great to have you on right before Christmas. So, you know, hopefully we'll talk about what kind of, what kind of gifts you got under the tree for everybody for uh, that they can enjoy in 2020. Let's talk about La Luta first, obviously, because that's the flagship. Uh, really quickly, how, for people who are watching or listening for the first time, just Tell us how big it is and why that graphite, you know, the quality of the graphite there uh, is going to be able to, to service uh, the market. Yeah, Lelute is a project we've been working on since 2015, and we've been drilling away and drilled up to 170 holes. The last uh, program of 21 holes just finished in 2019. It's a total of 2,800 hectares located about 100 kilometers north um, west of Montreal and very close to the Imaris carbon and graphite mine, which is located 53 kilometers to the northwest as well in Lacta Ils. So we've been working there. Uh, we've had a numerous uh, great uh, drill holes. In fact, the last few um, drill holes we've experienced uh, intersects of over 100 meters and uh, many, many different graphite grades uh, in the teens and, and in the high, high single digits. Yeah. So you're, you're looking at developing a graphite deposit that is uh, at least 10% um, graphite. That's what your target is, and at least 10 million tons. And the, um, the, the mine that's up the road from us was about 5 million tons of 7.7%. So we're, we're hoping to, to get there and we've had one resource calculation already. We're gonna have a, a updated one fairly shortly. So it's exciting times for 
Lalute and uh, in the graphite market in general. Let's talk about that since you mentioned it. Uh, uh, you've, you've told the market that you want to put an update 43101 uh, and then even a, a preliminary economic assessment. What are the timelines generally looking for that? Yeah, at this point in time, the 43101 is uh, yet to be commissioned. We, we're hoping to do that very shortly with uh, new financing that we're going to put in to the company in the next little bit here. Uh, so uh, what that will do is really go through the entire project and look at all of the drill holes that have been done to find open pits around those particular drill holes so that you can have defined deposit areas. And right. that's going to be fantastic for our, uh, our future because uh, once you have that defined, then you can compare apples to apples to other companies. We have a great uh, uh, group of companies in Quebec, uh, Mason Graphite, Nouveau Monde, they're all uh, at a very advanced stage. We hope to join them and be able to compare to them. And we're certainly one-tenth of the market cap trading at a very small valuation compared to those other two. So it's going to be uh, hopefully a great year in 2020 when we start that process. And you've got, you've got a general sense for the size now. Do you have a general sense for where, you know, what it might be on the new 43101? Just generally speaking, are you even allowed to talk about how, how much bigger you think it'll grow? Yeah, I think that, you know, the downside target is 10% and, uh, and, and 10 million tons. And then the, the upside target is maybe up to 25 million tons. And that's, uh, that's going to be a very valuable deposit if we get up to that level, because that means that the kind of material you have going in um, uh, over the course of 25 years or 10 years or whatever amount of timeline, uh, you're, you're basically being able to produce 50 to $70 million worth of, of profit per year. So that's what you want to accomplish in one of these, um, one of these mines. And if you can pull that, those numbers out and prove it in a feasibility study, you're going to get noticed and you're going to be top five in the world. Right now we've, we've had an interesting, interesting year in the graphite market because we thought by now that we'd see a lot of demand hit. True. And what we, what we have seen, though, is um, certainly the volumes have picked up in the amount of graphite that has been produced in the world. But a lot of it has been sucked up by, our, uh, 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 by China. And that's interesting enough because a lot of those mega factories that are being built are in China. But the supply is coming from Mozambique. A company called Syrah Resources has been sending a lot of material out there. And they're kind of and flooded we, the market too, right? At a, yeah, at they flooded the market. Their own, they just had their own bills to pay at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, they just commissioned in early uh, or late 2018. They had, to, they had to pay bills. They were only started getting revenue. They were selling, I think, at fire sale prices. And that drove the market down. So once uh, you have a very small market in graphite, it's not the copper market. It's, you know, very much... Uh, a volatile market that gets affected by supply and demand. And so you have a, a guy, a group that's ready to sell at, at fire sale prices. Well, all of a sudden graphite demand goes down, investor interest goes down in those particular commodities. Now you're talking about how graphite's, you know, saying it's a smaller market right now. Let's talk about that and how you think that's going to change in the next one, two, three years with even, even the mega factories in the, in the United States that are either yeah. up and running or in process and how that dovetails 
with your timing to hopefully bring La Luta into production? Yeah, if we step back and take a look at what um, technology trends have been in the last 30 years, let's look at 1980 to 1990. That was a year, that was a decade of the computer. And the computer came on and became uh, generally uh, used by 1990. 1990 to 2000 was the decade of the internet. And the internet came on and, and really everyone was started using it more and more. And the same thing with the smartphones, 2000. Uh, to 2010, everyone started using smartphones. 2010 to 2020 was really social media. So we're calling 2020 to 2030 the decade of the electric vehicle revolution because from the numbers of sales and the, the, um, the speed at which the acceleration of sales is progressing, we're going to see a lot of cars on the road. And what's that mean? And what, what have we seen in the way of information to back that up? Well, you don't have to look far. You look at the Tesla, Teslas, um, you, you see them more and more, but look at the new developments. We've got uh, Ford coming out with the Mustang Mach-E. That's going to be affecting the market. Um, we've got Tesla coming out with a Cybertruck, GM coming out with electric vehicle, and a number of others that are out there, the Riven, and um, of course the uh, Prius has been out for a while and certainly getting uh, more and more used. So we're seeing uh, a huge market developing there, and therefore we have a lot of different um, lithium-ion factories that are being built in North America to support that uh, system. And so that means that those are going to need supply of materials, battery materials specifically, and we're there, I think, in the right time to uh, get up and running by the time they need those materials. Yeah, and don't forget, you've got Ferrari, you've got Porsche, you've got everybody producing uh, an EV now, right, for, for, for their line. So there's no doubt, little, there's little doubt, right? It's electric vehicle demand is going, is going to explode. Yeah. Supply is going to explode, demand is going to explode. And that means batteries, that means, that means graphite. But I'm going to ask you a devil's advocate question here. So you know, people don't think we're just softballing this. And uh, can you be competitive, right? And what does it mean that you're in Quebec and you can access – you know, the entire eastern seaboard of, of the of United States, you're, you're right off the St. Lawrence. You could, what does it mean? Can you be competitive from, from Quebec in, the, in, in that market as it starts to really, uh, really, really take off in the next two, three, four years? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I think the reality is that uh, we have to compete worldwide against every producer, not just, just in Canada. So we've got to be able to provide a... Uh, a good business plan so that we are able to compete with uh, graphite coming out of Mozambique and Sri Lanka. And the advantage we have is the, is the um, uh, fact that we're near to a lot of the production facilities that'll be, that'll be built for these particular uh, vehicles. So we're, we're closer to Europe. We're closer to uh, Detroit and, uh, to Nevada, where all these lithium-ion mega factories are being built. In fact, we think there, there's going to be a, a lithium-ion mega factory built in Quebec. It seems like a logical choice. It so really we're getting ready for that. Um, we've just had news from our nearest neighbor and multinational company, Imaris Carbon Graphite, that they're starting to get into the electric vehicle uh, battery uh, materials for graphite. So that's great news. Um, obviously, their mine is running out, so they're going to need more material. So we're 
we're very excited about that kind of news coming out and, um, and affecting the market. But I think the general trend is your friend and the general trend is there's more vehicles on the road means uh, every one of those Teslas or uh, whatever ha um, type of vehicle that has sure. a lithium ion battery has over uh, 50 kilograms uh, or 40 kilograms of, of graphite in it. And that's amazing because uh, more way cars- more, more, Way more than lithium and a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, it weighs more than lithium and it's also by volume quite, quite extensive uh, in, in the, in the cars. And so, uh, the more vehicles on the road, the more we will need this material and, you know, let's supply it from North America. Let's not get it from Africa. We let's create jobs here. And, and just last point on that, I'm just kind of thinking out loud, but I, I would imagine another advantage you have is sustainability because, you know, you're a Canadian company, you're, you're a listed issuer. That means you've got transparency, you got reporting, requirements yeah. and that you're going out of your way to make sure that when La Luta does come into play, that it's going to be done in a way that's really environmentally friendly, not just in the end product, yeah. because obviously you want to get electric fuels out there because that's a great, that's a great environmental uh, solution. But even in the way you're going to produce it, the way you're going to maintain the land, I've got to think, but correct me if I'm wrong and I'm asking this program at home, is that a big advantage too over, you know, suppliers coming out of third world countries? Yeah, it has to be. I mean, we've seen the horror stories of cobalt supply coming out of the Democratic Republic of Congo and, you know, kids being used to to get that material out of the ground. And it's horrible. And so we don't want to be involved in that. We don't want to be involved in polluting any location. So we think that uh, Canada has the opportunity to step up and become a sustainable producer of this particular material and and okay. suppliers will respond to that um, if we can produce material that's uh, just as good as anywhere else and we can do it sustainably and ethically uh, I think we'll we're going to get um, uh, become part of that supply chain in North America and that's the goal here is uh, is to plug in and uh, be part of uh, providing uh, graphite, spherical graphite materials, which is a higher end product than just what the, the normal um, material is. And then also uh, right up to graphite anodes. That's another potential that would be really exciting because that, that again is another value add. And yeah, you're not, just, you're not just shipping off raw graphite. Here you go. Exactly. You're, 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 you're going up the value chain by making very, very specific high end, high value products that the industry needs, or at least that's the plan. You're not making them now. I want to be clear for everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, uh, I think that takes a uh, intensive amount of capital. It takes a very special project. And I think that we've got that project. So once you have the raw material, the raw product, uh, uh, tested and, and that's still coming up, that's what we have to do to remove the risk is get the metallurgical testing done, get the environmental testing done, so that we're, we're not producing a bunch of cyanide or, or sulfur uh, as we're producing the material. And uh, once we've gotten past those hurdles, then we'll get an environmental uh, approval for the project and that will get us um, further ahead in the feasibility chain. But is it safe to assume, Paul, that's not even really a concern? It's just more or less you've got to go through it because you've got to document it, but you're, you're not gonna have any concerns about you know, how it's produced in the metallurgy? 
Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, we wouldn't be going forward if during the drilling process we found a bunch of sulfur or some other contaminant in the, in the graphite. Um, you know, we haven't had any of those kind of problems, so we're, we're really happy with the results thus far. But again, you have to have the actual certification for that. Um, you can't just eyeball it and, or, or use the <laughs> drilling. You have to have a, a full preliminary economic assessment. And the good thing about that preliminary economic assessment when it comes, it'll be um, uh, registered and it also will be part of the, the, it'll create a value for the project, which will go right on to our audited financials. So that'll be a big change. Um, so I think we need to get prepared for that. What we're working on right now is is getting the the uh, stock price moving a little bit so that we can put money in the till right uh for the last little while we've been trying to to raise funds and it's been very difficult um and i'll ask you about that and we got to be careful because you're not you know the rules dictate you're not really allowed to you know give advice on your stock price and so on and so forth tell people and i don't think you're going to but we have that caveat but that has baffled a lot of people which is you know why the continued selling throughout the year because it just doesn't make sense having a market cap of you know two to three million dollars doesn't make sense for anybody to be selling not that i can see so you know what do you attribute uh the selling that's that's come in especially since you know the start of the summer yeah i think what we've seen is uh is a, a lot of selling related to tax loss and uh and quebec flow through uh, potentially because there's a, a large discount to face value for that flow through. So we've had some difficulty there sucking up uh, a lot of stock. And, uh, you know, what we've seen though, is in our recent AGM, we had 42% of the, um, of the shareholders vote and 99.97% in favor. So we know that we've got a good portion of it under control. About 40% is a, is a really great number. Sure. So we're looking to see um, what we can do with the rest of it. I think that, um, you know, after tax loss season, we'll get back at it. And, um, you know, and it's no, it's no, uh, there's nothing wrong with saying that we have to move the stock price. We can't, we can't raise money at uh, the, the price we're raising it uh, or the, the price it's trading at now. So we've got to get to a point where it's uh, five cents or more. Uh, and that's easily something that we can, focus on in January now that we've got um, the tax loss season out of the way. So it's, you know, it's, it's a very difficult situation. Once I noticed that in the markets, once uh, gold stopped moving way up, all of a sudden things changed and uh, the markets for, for us. Silly, huh? and, I, I, and I hear you on strange, that, but, but that's just silly. silly right? The market does things like that because they, they have been, you might as well tell me, uh, you know, the, the price of, you know, pork bellies uh, was dropping as, you know, gold dropping has nothing to do, but uh, with, with graphite and yet there it is. Some people try and make yeah, it's about commodities, you know, connections, which is silly, but, but Hey, that's an opportunity for everyone who's looking yeah. at this to say, maybe, cause I, I can't say it. You can't, but maybe it's an opportunity that's worth looking at right now and taking very, very Yeah, seriously. absolutely. All we can do is put the, the food on the table and let people take a look and see if it's edible or not. <laughs> and that's really what we're doing is, you know, at any given time, we're presenting uh, ourselves as, a, as an investment opportunity for, for the investor and trying to educate as much as possible. We're not here to say that, um, you know, 
X, Y, Z is going to happen and, and it's going to blow up or whatever. But the fact is that um, we're at a, a low point. We're at a 52 week low and that's uh, that's a fact. And uh, I think that we don't want to remain there. And that's another fact. And uh, I think that uh, when you look at it, um, we're, we want to be in a, in this part of this secular battery materials market in which things are moving up. And the general consensus is that um, um, we've had uh, ourselves tied as a mining play to gold to some extent, simply because the velocity of money moving through the gold and mining sector has, uh, has, uh, has come to us as well. But we want to change that into more of a technology play because I think that's what we really are. We're here um, to be part of the, of the yeah, new technology absolutely. of electric vehicles and, and um, leave the kind of mining sector situ situation behind and join that new revolution in electric vehicles. And, uh, and the only way to do that is to, is to get you know, uh, yourself defined as, as in, within the value chain and, and get partners and, um, you know, getting engineering reports is going to help us do that. And further to the point that you say, you know, Lamico is a technology company. You've had the successful sale of Lamico technologies uh, to Prometheus technologies. Uh, and I noticed that the closing date has been extended to June 30, 2020. Uh, is that actually the new hard date or are you just giving yourself some buffer there in, in order to uh, uh, in order to make sure the deal gets done on time? Yeah, essentially what's what's going on is Prometheus uh, is listing in uh, Europe and we'll see uh, once it's listed uh, a funding go through for it. And that is the last hurdle we'll have to to pass what we've we, we had uh, various hurdles such as Ontario Securities Commission review, BC Securities Commission review, TSX review, and shareholders vote. So we've got past all those hurdles. Um, what we we needed was to get um, a review done at the stock exchange in which Prometheus is is listing, right. and then we will get uh, approval to to raise. The, the funds over there. And so that will then come back. Um, the Lumico Technologies is being sold to Prometheus for uh, $1.4 right. million. So that'll, that'll go into Lumico's coffers and uh, be able to be applied to any uh, 43101 and preliminary economic assessment. And then I'm glad you said that. I was going to take it right the words out of my mouth. If the cash comes yeah. in, when it does come in, I'm assuming that's going to go a long way towards you getting your your the work done for Lelut. Yeah, and it's non-dilutive as well. So you know, we we were looking at doing uh, a, a a very dilutive financing to to fund the PEA, uh, and present hasn't hasn't been hasn't gone through at this point in time. So uh, I think that it's it's best for shareholders. Uh, that we don't dilute in a massive way because we were looking at issuing 50 million shares. So yeah. I think uh, um, by the time you're listening to this, we'll, we'll have some updates on that. And uh, I think we're better to, to do non-dilutive financing. And uh, I think people will appreciate that. I'm a large shareholder. I appreciate that, uh, that that's the case. It's, it's, um, it's also the type of money uh, that's going to come in. That's important. We're not going to have shares issued that are going to be sold 
at the at the yeah. low we've seen here. It's and that's right to well, the coffers, and that and that's it. It'll it'll end that's there. That's right. That's right. So let's do it the right way and do what's best for 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 shareholders. And I think that's uh, that's going to be beneficial for anyone looking at the company. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Uh, look, congratulations on what's been a pretty successful year with drilling and so on and so forth at La Lutra, the, the sale of Lumico Technologies to Prometheus uh, and that and the pending close on that. Uh, look, the, the, uh, the, the struggle always with startups and companies at the early stages, they, they don't have everything go right for them uh, at the end of the day. So you guys have, I think, done well in everything that you can control, uh, but the market itself sometimes is uh, left to its own devices. And uh, I like the fact that you don't want to engage in massively diluted financing because you believe in the future of the company. And in, in, this is not the time near the end of this chapter that you want to be doing that. So hats off to you and your team. And looking forward to the dominoes falling, starting to fall in the first and second quarter of 2020. So that by the end of 2020, when we're sitting here talking, we're, you're, you're in a completely different situation and i'm not talking about share price just complete different situation as a company yeah we're we're all about wealth creation we want to create a substantial amount of wealth for our shareholders and i've been experienced in that and i've had the experience before in which you've done it um that uh that you know large companies do have an eye on small companies like this um before uh, we had a copper project that uh, was bought out by HUD Bay and we started at 1 million market cap that was bought out by HUD Bay at 512 million market cap. Uh, what? So 512 million market caps. So I, 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 I heard the first time, but I just wanted you to repeat that because yeah. that's, unbe that's unbelievable. You know, and yeah, so, track record means you guys know how to get this done. Yeah. And, and uh, again, it's about, it's about attracting people to, the concept and the long-term aspects. And, um, you know, that copper project right now produces 2% of the GDP for Peru. And so we're very proud of that um, background and we want to do that again. And right, right in Quebec would be the best, the best place and putting uh, funds into Canadian coffers. That's what we'd like to do. Thanks, Paul. Uh, wishing you, your family and the Lumico team, uh, a very Merry Christmas, a very happy holidays, and a fantastic New Year. Yes, happy uh, holidays, and uh, thanks very much for doing this. You've been watching Paul Gill. He's CEO of Lamico Metals, trades with the TSX Venture Exchange on the stock symbol LMR. And for our friends in the U.S., don't forget about you on the QB under LMRMF. You've watched Paul, or if you've been listening by podcast, you've heard what he's had to say. Due diligence is now up to you. Start that on Agoracom by getting to the Lumico Hub and get caught up with all this great summary information there. Watch the last couple of interviews we've done with Paul. Then link over to the Lumico site to complete that due diligence, and hopefully you're going to like what you see. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a fantastic day. Have a fantastic Christmas. Happy holidays. Talk to you soon.